or older, please stand up. Let's give these ladies a round of applause. If your child is 60 or older, remain standing. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. 65 or older. <laughs> All right, Miss Florine Tiger. Next one, newest mom. All right, if you have a baby that is one year old or younger, please stand up. If your baby is under 12 months, okay, no, it's got to have a birthday, but. Then it's the youngest represented, right? All right. All right, after last week's sermon, I understand that 20 is the highest number that you can use. I've only got 10 toes, 10 fingers. But this is going to take a little thought. The long-distance child, whose child came the furthest? to see them today. If your child came from another county or further, please stand up. <laughs> Not the child, the mom. Sit down, Sarah. <laughs> I was her Sunday school teacher for so long. <laughs> what county did you come from, Sarah? Clark County? Hey, let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we're going to worship together. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for, for moms. Lord, whether it's through a biological birth, adoption, foster, or, Father, some people in here, Lord, who are just spiritual moms. Lord, just loving on uh, the kids here at, at church. They may not have children of their own, but, Lord, they still, they still love and they care. And so, Father, we just pray that you would bless these women today. Uh, Lord, may it be a day of, of joy for them. Uh, Lord, even in, in maybe in some of the sorrows, God, of, of their life, we pray that they can still find joy, be grateful. Uh, Lord, may we just let them know how much we appreciate them, how much they mean to their own family, but to Northside Baptist Church, and how much they mean to you. Father, you are worthy of all praise and glory. May you receive it as we worship you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
please stand with us. Yes, the 
hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. Christ alone. Savior's love through the sword. He is Lord. He's Lord of all. When darkness seems to hide his face, I rest on his
fall? Amen. 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 You may be seated. You may be seated. Well, good morning. Welcome to Northside Baptist Church. It's a great day to be in the house of the Lord. What a beautiful day. Uh, beautiful weather for uh, our moms. And so praise the Lord for that. Well, welcome to Northside. If this is your first time with us, uh, maybe you're here uh, because you had a, a, a granddaughter or a child up here singing. And so this is your first time with us, or maybe your fifth time with us, uh, or maybe you're just visiting today. So we want to welcome you. Thank you for being here. You are our guest. There's a place for you to fill out some information about yourself inside the bulletin. You can place that um, inside the box that is in the foyer. Let me make just a, a couple quick announcements um, and then uh, one really important announcement that I'm really, really excited about. Um, so on Tuesday, this Tuesday, our senior friends are going to meet at 11 a.m. Hey, listen to me. You don't have to be a senior friend to come. Maybe you're retired and you don't have anything to do, but you're like, I'm not a senior yet. That's fine. We won't call you a senior. Still come. Maybe Tuesday's your off day. And you're like, man, I'd, I'd love to come and just hang out with some brothers and sisters in Christ. We would love to have you. We start at 11, uh, and there's some more information there. Uh, children's church. We have children's church that we offer each and every Sunday. Um, sometimes it's a little confusing. Hey, like, when do they leave? I'm going to try to do a better job of letting you know until we can... Uh, figure out a better way to do that. But when we sing the hymn, Footsteps of Jesus, uh, our kids that are going to go to Children's Church, is that second grade and under? Is that correct? Sure, second grade and under, we'll go with that. Um, I believe that's right. You'll head to Children's Church. Um, trying to think if there was any other announcements I wanted to make other than this big one. So in the bulletin, you will see an announcement about our baby bottles. This is one of my favorite ministries that any church I've been in, we participate in. And so this goes to help the Coweta Pregnancy Center. So we have 150 bottles that are up here uh, in this crib. And so when the service is over, I want you to come get one. And then if there are still plenty of bottles next week, I'm going to ask you to come get a second one. And so you fill this bottle up with change, with cash. You can put a check in there, make that check payable uh, to Coweta Pregnancy Services. There's a list of different things and how the money you give provides and ministers this is an incredible, incredible ministry. So thankful for Miss Cindy and all the work that she does. And what I love about this um, is this is something your kids can get involved in. And so they can be a part of it. If you got the change, you just let the kids get the change and put it in there. They can see it fill up. And if they got a couple dollars that you've given them, encourage them to put a couple dollars in here. So this is something the kids can participate in. You can pick them up today. They have to be returned by Father's Day on June 20th. And so please get involved in uh, this ministry as they're on the front lines of standing for life and counseling women and even men who are in some difficult places, unexpected places, um, some of them feeling hopeless. And they're there to speak a word of hope and life into these people's lives. So please get on board um, and support that. Uh, also, last thing I want to mention is out there on the, the welcome desk in the foyer is a piece of paper that lists all of our Sunday night events through the month. So we got just uh, in the next couple of weeks, we've got a missions night, our grad reception on a Sunday night. There's also an announcement about Vacation Bible School. So make sure that you are dialed in to all that is going on and that you don't miss out on that. Uh, let me pray and then we're going to continue to worship together. Father, as we think about moms today, as we're thankful for that, Father, our hearts also turn towards 
these young mothers, some of them as young as 13, 14 years old, others older than that, Father, who find themselves unexpectedly pregnant and, Father, are seriously considering abortion. And in the midst of that hopelessness, there are pregnancy centers all across Georgia and America. Women who volunteer, men who serve in different ways just to speak truth into these young people's hearts and lives. Father, bless their ministry. May Northside be a place that supports them as we continue to support them on a monthly basis, but also through these baby bottle uh, fundraiser. Father, help us to give generously, sacrificially. This is frontline ministry. This is ministering in the midst of darkness, ministering in the midst of, Father, where Satan has a stronghold. So, Father, be with them. Be with those who counsel these young women. Give them wisdom. Give them words of hope. And may they share the gospel of Jesus Christ over and over and over until it results in men and women being saved. Father, as we continue to worship today, we have already declared that you are the cornerstone, that you are Christ alone. And Father, now we're going to talk about how you pour out showers of blessing. May we receive those blessings with humility and with gratitude, for you are a good and gracious God. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Would you stand? Let's continue to worship together. shall be showers of blessing this is the promise of love there shall be seasons refreshing sent from the savior above showers of blessing showers of blessing we need mercy drops round us are falling but for the showers we plead there shall be showers of blessing Precious reviving again over the hills and the valleys, sound of abundance of rain, showers of blessing, showers of blessing we need. Mercy drops round us are falling, but for the showers we plead. There shall be showers of blessing. Send them upon us, O Lord. Grant to us now a refreshing. Come and now honor thy word. Showers of blessing, showers of blessing we need. Mercy drops round us are falling, but for the showers we plead. There shall be showers of blessing. Oh, that today they might fall. Now as to God we're confessing. Now as on Jesus we call. Showers of blessing. Showers of blessing we need. Mercy drops round us are falling. But for the showers we plead. Thank you. You may be seated.
feel the world is broken? Do you feel the shadows deepen? Do you know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through? Do you wish that you could see it all made new? all creation groaning is a new creation coming is the glory of the Lord to be the light within our midst is it good that we remind ourselves of
time we heard thee calling, come follow me. And we see where thy footprints falling, lead us to thee. Footprints of Jesus that make the pathway glow. We will follow the steps of Jesus where'er they go. Though they lead o'er the cold, dark mountain, seeking his sheep. Helping the weak. Footprints of Jesus that make the pathway glow. We will follow the steps of Jesus where'er they go. If they lead through the temple holy, preaching the word, or in homes of the poor and lowly, serving the Lord. But friends of Jesus that make the pathway where'er they go. Then at last when on high he sees us, our journey's done. We will rest where the steps of Jesus end at his throne. Footprints of Jesus that make the pathway glow. We will follow the steps of Jesus where'er they go. Remain standing if you will. Take your copy of God's Word and turn to the book of Ruth. We're in the Old Testament. The book of Ruth, which follows the book of Judges. As we begin a new series this morning in this short book, only four chapters. It'll take us five weeks as we work our way through this book. So Ruth chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. And this is the word of the Lord. And the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And a man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab. He and his wife and his two sons the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there. But Imelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. These took Moabite wives. The, names of, the name of the one was Orpah, the name of the other Ruth. They lived there about ten years, and both Malon and Kilion died. So that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. You may be seated. Charles Dickens famously wrote, It was the best of times, it was the worst of times. He went on to write, It was the season of light, it was the season of darkness, it was the spring of hope, it was the winter of despair. The book of Ruth. One of the best stories ever written begins with the worst of times. 
It begins with the winter of despair. But as this story unfolds, despair gives way to hope. Loneliness gives way to love, and death gives way to redemption. And with every verse and with every scene, we notice the one who is always faithful to love and faithful to provide for his people. In the story of Ruth, we see the love of God, the hope that only God can offer, and the redemption of God on display. So welcome to Ruth, a story of love, hope, and redemption. And we read in verse 1, in the days when the judges ruled. Right off the bat, the author gives us the historical context of when this story takes place. It takes place, if you're trying to put it in a historical context, between Joshua's death. So Joshua, who follows Moses, Joshua dies So this story is taking place in between his death and the rise of the prophet Samuel and eventually the first King Saul. So this is where Judges takes place. And it says it happens in the days when the Judges ruled. The days of the Judges was a dark time in the life of Israel. It's summarized by chapter 21 of the book of Judges, verse 25. I don't even have to turn the page. It's right there. You may have to turn to page one page, but you see this verse. And this summarizes the day of the judges. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. As you study the book of Judges, you'll notice a cycle. And again, this is important because Ruth is taking place at some point in the life of the judges. You'll notice this cycle. It'll appear on the screen one by one. I don't know where I first saw these five R's, but it kind of helps summarizes it. So the cycle when it comes to the book of Judges starts with relapse or sin. The people of God sin against God. That relapse is followed by ruin. It's followed by the judgment of God. God judges his people for their sin. That's then followed by repentance. The people of God repent, at least in the beginning of the book. As it gets towards the end of the book, they stop repenting. But towards the beginning, they repent. They turn from their wicked ways. That's then followed by restoration. God raises up a judge, not a political leader, but a military leader. Raises up a judge who leads the people right out of that captivity or through that difficult time, which then leads to rest. It's God's blessing upon his people. People are living in that covenant with God. And then I've added another R, and that is repeat. Because it repeats. This cycle repeats itself during the time of the judges. And it's during this time that Ruth is taking place. While the book of Judges is unfolding, somewhere in there is the story of Ruth. We continue. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. Now, in the context of the judges, as you think about that cycle, we can assume that this famine is a result of God's judgment. It's a result of God's judgments. The people have been disobedient, so God sends a famine to bring about repentance. You'll notice in the book of Ruth, as we study this, that the author has a way of pointing out irony. And right off the bat, we see some irony here in this story. Because it says there's a famine in the land. Well, what's the land? Well, the land is Bethlehem. Bethlehem means, it'll be on the screen, house of bread. See the irony? There is no food 
in the house of bread. There is a shortage of food in the land that is known as the house of bread. Folks, this would be like you walking into your favorite steakhouse and saying, hey, I want a steak, and they're like, well, we don't sell steak here. Then why is it a steakhouse, right? It's irony. There should be bread in the house of bread. There should be a plethora of food here, but there is a shortage of food. Do you know what it's like to go hungry? To have no food? To wonder, how am I going to provide for my children? I don't have a clue what that's like. Now, I know what it's like to be hungry. I know that feeling, and here's all I got to do. I just got to walk into my kitchen, open up the pantry, and right, and I have all sorts of choices to choose from. I don't know what it's like to be in the midst of a famine, but this is the setting. The day of the judges, there's a famine in the land, and now we're introduced to the characters in the story. It says that there was a famine in the land, and a man of Bethlehem and Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the, the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi. And the name of his two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in Judah. And so I've got a picture on the screen right there, just so you can kind of see, right, the, the, the family tree here. We've got a husband and a wife, and they have two sons. Elimelech, Naomi, Malon, and Kilion. This is the family and then we learn another very important detail in this story. And you can go to the next slide there. There it is. It says they went to a country of Moab. They go to a country of Moab. Now, this isn't a true question. Why does Elimelech move his family to Moab? Because there's a famine. There's no food. And so he moves his family to Moab. Now, we got to stop here for a few minutes, because I think this is really, really important. Let's ask a couple questions. Is this relocation from Bethlehem, the, the, the promised land, to Moab a good thing for this family? Is this relocation a God thing? Or is this an act of a desperate man? Well, the author of Ruth doesn't give his thoughts on this move, but you and I can come to some conclusions. And to do that, we have to ask ourselves this question. What do we know about Moab? Well, you see, it's, right, it's just across uh, the sea there, the Dead Sea. It's about, if, if I remember correctly from reading, about 50 to 55 miles away. So you're not going hundreds of miles away. But what do we know about Moab? Let me quickly tell you what we know about Moab. The Moabites are descendants of a man named Moab, who was born out of an incestuous, I have a hard time saying that word, incestuous relationship between a man named Lot and his oldest daughter. Check this story out sometime if you've never heard of it. His two daughters get their dad drunk so that they can sleep with him so that they can get pregnant. The oldest daughter conceives and gives birth to a son that she calls Moab. We know the Moabites worship false gods. Chemosh would be one. We know that in Numbers 25, Read this story. The daughters of Moab enticed the Israelite men to come sleep with them and then to bow down and offer sacrifices to their gods. In Deuteronomy 23, we read how the Moabites opposed God's people when they were coming out of the wilderness. Instead of assisting the people of God, they opposed them. We also know that the Moabites hire a man by the name of Balaam. 
Balaam and the talking, talking donkey. Remember that story? They hire Balaam because they want a prophet to come curse the people of God. And then in Judges chapter 3, we read about a king named Eglon of Moab who defeats Israel and rules over them for 18 years. Now, if you want to know more about King Eglon, you can do one of two things. You can go read it in Judges chapter 3, or you can come talk to Eli. Eli knows about King Eglon. If you're like, what are you talking about? Uh, Awana, uh, one of the knights. He knows all about King Eglon, right? Here's the bottom line. Moab was a pagan nation. Moab was a godless country. Why would Elimelech leave Israel, leave the promised land, leave the place where the temple of God was, or the, or the, the tabernacle, the presence of God, the people of God, the sacrifices they would offer up to God? Why would he leave that, even though there was a famine, and move his family to a pagan place? Why would Elimelech, in essence, turn his back on God and God's people? It's because he was desperate. And sometimes when you get desperate, you do desperate things. And in his desperation, what Elimelech does is he compromises. He compromises. I don't think he set out to do that at first, because if you look at the language, verse 1 says he went to sojourn in the country of Moab. That word sojourn means temporary. I think in his mind this was temporary, but then you drop down to the end of verse 2, and it says that they went to the country of Moab, and they remained there. You drop down even further, and it tells us they'd been there 10 years. What became a temporary reprieve, we got to find some food in the land of compromise in this pagan country, becomes, let's settle down here, let's live here, and here they are 10 years later. Now listen, I'm not beating up on Elimelech, but this is a warning for all of us. He had a decision to make. Stay in Bethlehem, call the people to repentance, call my family to repentance, myself, I need to repent. Let the hand of God come and bless us as we repent, or I relocate into a pagan land, the fields of Moab. Hear me. Elimelech accurately assessed the physical condition of Bethlehem, but he failed to consider the spiritual ramifications of moving into a foreign pagan nation. Ian DeGuide writes this, and I'm going to challenge us for a moment. They felt more at home in the land of compromise than they did in the land of promise. Hear me, church. We are living in a land of compromise. We are living in a world in which you and I would describe it as pagan, as godless, as lost. And church, it will be so easy in these days for every single one of us to compromise. When things get tough... Just to say compromise, to walk away from God, his word, to say, well, I don't really believe that anymore. Just to choose the easy way, to choose the road that everyone's traveling rather than the road less traveled. To say, look, I'm not going to compromise my convictions. I'm not going to compromise the word of God. I'm going to stay where I am. I'm going to trust in God, and I know he's going to be faithful to provide. Now, does that mean God won't lead you to move somewhere? I'm not saying that. I'm just saying I don't think Elimelech considered the will of God in this matter at all. Had he done so, I think he would have made a different choice. But we continue in the story. And now our story is going to take a dark turn. Verse 3, but Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. So you'll see up there, right, we just lost a family member. It is now Naomi and her two sons in a foreign land. 
to continue, verse 4, these, these took Moabite wives. Notice they were Moabite wives. It means, means they were Gentiles. They were not Jews. They were not Hebrews. They were Moabite wives. The name of the one was Orpah, the name of the other Ruth. So here we go. We have now just expanded our family, right? Naomi has two sons. They have each married. Things are looking better, right? It says they lived there about 10 years, and both Malon and Kilion died so that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. Church, I want you to put yourself in her shoes for a moment. And I want us to feel the weight of this. Naomi, like any good mother, had plans and dreams. Like any good mother, any wife, she would have had plans and dreams. And now here she finds herself in a foreign land with no husband. Her boys are gone. She has no grandchildren. Her family line is teetering on the brink of extinction. She has been emptied of all of her resources. It's hard for her to find food now because there's no males. And in this day, if you didn't have a male, a husband, a son, a grandson, somebody, you were going to have a hard time surviving. No food, right? No home, no male support. We are five verses into this story. And so far, it doesn't sound like a story of love, hope, and redemption, does it? It sounds more like a story of tragedy, loneliness, and hopelessness. And next week, we'll see there's some bitterness involved in there as well. But I don't want to stop with verse 5. I want to read verse 6, and then I want to make some points of application this morning to us. Look at verse 6. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law to return for the country of Moab, for she had heard, don't miss this, for she had heard in the fields of Moab. Somehow, while she's in the fields of Moab, she gets word. It wasn't a text message, it wasn't a phone call, it wasn't a letter, didn't have that, uh, that ability, right? But somehow she gets word, what? That the Lord, notice my Bible, that's all caps, that's Yahweh. The Lord had visited his people and given them food. God is mentioned more than 20 times in this short book. This is the first time the author mentions him, and he calls him the Lord. And he wants you and I to know that the Lord had visited his people in Israel. Now listen, as we study this small book over the next four weeks, I want you to understand one major truth, one key theme, and that is simply this. You will see it over and over and over again, and it is simply this. Our God is both great and good. Amen? Our God is both great and good. Our God is sovereign. Our God is ruling. Our God is reigning. When you see the first five verses, the temptation may be to think God's not there. God's not in the picture. God doesn't have a plan. But you're going to see our God is great. And not only is he great, you are going to see that he is good. So many people today are struggling with why does a good God allow people to suffering? Why would a good God allow there to be a famine? Why would he allow for a husband to die and children to die? Why would a good God allow this to happen? But church, you will see that our God always has a plan. And he is great and he is good. The story doesn't start off on the best of footing. It doesn't start off in the, in the way we might usually once upon a time in a land far, far away, right? It starts off a little dark, a little broken. You're left with some hopelessness, but we will see the hand of God. Now, let me apply this this morning to three different areas. Number one, let me speak to motherhood. I'm blessed. Let me just be honest. I'm blessed. I have an amazing mom who loves Jesus, the most encouraging person I know. God blessed me with 
a wonderful mother-in-law who loves her family and has loved me and loves my kids. I have the best wife, the best wife. Ryan is incredible. She is amazing. Somebody said the other day about my wife that she is the nicest person they've ever met. Hands down, I will agree with that. I love my wife. She's not in here, so y'all make sure that I was bragging on her, all right? So she, she hears that. Um, so I know, man, I know the joys of motherhood. I've been able to see it. But here's what I also know. The longer I pastor and the longer I live, there are some highlights and joys of motherhood, but there are also pains and griefs of motherhood. And those pains and griefs can lead us, if we are not careful, to a place where we feel hopeless. So listen, I get it. Mother's Day may not be a happy day for you. We make it a happy day, and maybe it took all you had just to come this morning. Look, maybe you're one of those that you grew up without a mom. She left you. Or you grew up, and, and here you are today, and your relationship with your mom is strained. It is broken. It's not what you want it to be. And you feel the pain of that and the emptiness of that. Or maybe Mother's Day, if we're honest, stinks for you because your mom has passed away. You can't send her a text message. You can't call her on the phone like the rest of us. So today's a hard day for you. Maybe Mother's Day is a hard day for you because you're unable to have children. You want for nothing more than to have a child and you're wrestling with infertility. Or maybe it's hard for you because you don't want kids. You've not been able to have kids. And in our culture, even in the church, everybody makes a big deal about motherhood. Maybe you're single. Maybe God's calling you to be single. And you're like, like how do I be single in a church and a culture that's always talking about mothers? Or how do I just, it's me and my husband, we don't have kids. How can we still thrive in a culture that always, when you're going to have kids, when you're going to have kids? Like you can relate to the pain of that. Or maybe you know the agonizing pain of a miscarriage or miscarriages or an adoption that failed. Or my goodness, maybe you know what it's like to be Naomi and to attend the funeral of your child. Or maybe Mother's Day is hard for you because there has been sleepless nights and uncontrollable tears and a broken heart because of a rebellious child or an ungrateful child or a child who has decided they want nothing to do with you. And here you are this morning. In the midst of that pain, and I want you to hear me, look and turn your eyes to Jesus. Because he is gracious, and he is merciful, and he is good, even in the midst of your Mother's Day not being what you want it to be. He is still good. And I want you to see that even in the midst of this, he is great, and he is good, and you can have hope because of who our God is. Second thing I want to say is to address Northside Baptist Church. Today's different. It's a different day. It's a new season in the life of our church. I look over here, and the no offense, you guys are sitting where the cobs are. You're wonderful, <laughs> right? But the cobs, the cobs aren't where they usually are, right? I, I don't know. I don't remember how long Brian Carroll was the pastor here. But I was pulling in this morning, and it hit me that this is the first time in years, more than 10 years, that either Brian Carroll or Pastor BJ hasn't been on staff. Like, that's stability, one of them being here. And that's different today. It's different. 
Right? God has opened a door for them, and they begin a new, a new journey and a new chapter in their life. And look, I'm just going to be honest with you. It's an adjustment for me. And I understand and I feel the weight of going forward, of, of looking down the road for an associate pastor and a new student pastor, somebody that, that I can get along with, that I can work with, that will be a friend and just as phenomenal as Pastor BJ. I feel that. But listen, here's what I know. Our God will provide. He will provide. And so what we're going to do is we're going to keep plugging along. We're going to stay united. We're going to stay as one. We're going to trust God. We're going to focus on the gospel. And students, let me speak to you for a minute. You guys are all spread out. I want you to know how much I love you as your pastor. I mean, I had a blast last year going to camp. I will not do the three-man swing again this year because I'm going to camp again this year. I'm excited that I get to go to camp again this year. I have a blast you know, playing basketball with you guys, hanging out with you all, getting to know you. Look, and I want you to know, man, that you have a church that loves you. You have leaders that love you. And we're going to keep moving. And we're going to keep loving on you and serving you. Your family loves you. But most of all students, hear me. Jesus Christ loves you. And our prayer for you, because I know it's not easy for you at school, whether it's a Christian school, you're at a public school, or you're even homeschooled. It's not easy. And there are temptations that you have to face today that were not even on my radar when I was 14, 15, 16 years old. It is a different world for you today. But I want you to understand that you can live a life for Jesus and you don't have to compromise. And our job is to help you do that. And I'm making a commitment to you as a church, we will continue to do that even in this period of transition in our church. And then lastly, let me speak to you as individuals. There's more irony here in the book of Ruth. The man's name is Elimelech. You know what Elimelech means? It means my God is king. My God is king. Now, again, I'm not trying to beat up on this dude. But when he leaves Bethlehem and goes to the fields of Moab, he doesn't seem to be living up to his name, my God is king. Because if he really believed in that moment his God was king, his God would provide, I don't know if he would have left for the pagan fields of Moab. So let me ask you a question this morning. Let's just, let's just be real. What is the banner that is flying over your life right now. You go to the beach, you're out there, man, just enjoying the beautiful day, and all of a sudden you look up and there's just plane after plane coming. You know what I'm talking about? They got these banners, these signs. They're like three pair of sunglasses for $10 or uh, selling their alcohol or whatever it may be, right? Just, there's these banners flying in the sky, drawing your attention to them. Let me ask you a question. What is the banner that is flying over your life and your heart right now? Here's what I hope it is. I hope it is my God that I know through Jesus Christ is king of my life. That my God is king. Church, I want nothing more for the day when the world declares my God is king. I want nothing more than for the United States of America to get to, get to the place where she realizes Jesus Christ is king. And that we're going to live for him. Man, I want the state of Georgia to know, hey, my God is king. I want the city of Noonan 
and the surrounding cities in Coweta County. Man, I want it to be said of us when the news starts talking about us. Man, those people are on fire for Jesus because their God is king. I want that banner to be written over Northside Baptist Church that when people come, it is clear they believe their God is king. I want it written over my family's life, my wife and my sons, that my God is king. And I want it to be so clear in my life that God is king of my life. Now listen, we all fall short of that, myself included. But God is to be our king. And so hear me, don't compromise. Don't compromise. In the days of Ruth, everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Same thing today. We just call it tolerance. We live in a day of tolerance. There is no absolute truth anymore. Everything is relative. Whatever somebody wants to believe, that's their truth. As Carl talked about last week, this, this, this is what they're going to believe. And you and I have to bow down. We have to believe it whether, whether we want to or not. Everything is true. We live in this tolerant world. So let me ask you a question. Does your relationship with Jesus have any real impact on life-defining decisions? Do you say, is this decision biblical? Is this decision God-honoring? And if it's not, then I'm not going to do it. Like, do you consult the Word of God, and, and do you consult God Himself to say, God, does this please you? I read the following this week. Faithful Christianity means seeking to live by the Word of God in biblical community among spirit-filled, prayerful, wise saints. Listen, if you don't want to compromise, then you and I are going to have to be faithful Christians seeking to live by the Word of God, standing upon the Word of God, not compromising the Word of God, and we got to do that in biblical community among spirit-filled, wisdom-wise brothers and sisters. Listen, we need each other. In this culture, in this day and age, if we're going to stand fast and not compromise, we need each other. So don't compromise. Don't turn your back on God and His people. You have hope in a hopeless world. Can I give you a spoiler alert? Some of y'all don't like spoilers, but let me just give you a spoiler. And if you don't like it, just cover your ears. You know what the book of Ruth is ultimately about? It's about the coming Messiah. That's what it's ultimately about. Just get to chapter 4 and read. It's about ultimately King David being born, and then through the line of David, the Messiah coming. See, Ruth is ultimately pointing us to the Messiah, whom we know to be Jesus Christ. And we know that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came and he died on the cross for our sins. And that is the greatest demonstration of love this world has ever seen. That God would send his only son to die on a cross for a sinner like you and me. So maybe you're wondering this morning, man, is your God really great? Is your God really good? Yes, he is. And you can see this love in Jesus Christ. See Jesus and tell me that my God is not good. My God is not great. See the love of God and tell me that you and I should not be compelled to follow him wherever he leads, even if it means death, even if it means we starve because we believe in the plan of God. We will not compromise that. See this love and tell me that we should not trust him, lean upon him, and love him in times of despair, tragedy, and uncertainty. Our God is great. Our God is good. And my life is a story of God's love 
of God's hope for me through Jesus and of the redemption that comes only through his blood. And that can be your story too. You can know even in the midst of this gut-wrenching pain and loss that Naomi experienced, you can still know the goodness and the greatness of God. And you and I can live our lives declaring that our God is king and that he will always provide for his people. Do you believe that God is great and that he is good? Would you close your eyes and bow your heads? Look, I don't, I don't know how this message speaks to your heart. It was, in, in a way, just kind of an introductory sermon, just speaking to some different areas that, that are pertinent to, to us today and in our circumstances. Maybe this morning you came and, and you were broken and you were hurting. Maybe you came this morning and you're an unbeliever. You do not know the love and the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. Maybe you came this morning feeling hopeless, lost, not sure where to turn. And there is hope for you. God right now is extending out hope. He is extending out his love to you. He is speaking even in the midst of your tragedy. Will you hear him? Will you listen? Will you respond? Will you trust him? Will you declare, my God is king, and I will stand firm and fast upon his word, and I will not compromise, even in the midst of great pain and tragedy. Father, would you speak right now to those who are here, to those who are watching online, to those who will watch this later. God, you know right where they are. You know everything there is to know about them. Oh, Spirit of God, may they just sense and know your comforting presence right now. God, draw them to yourself. If they are lost, will you save them? If they are seeking and asking questions, oh God, will you provide them the answers? Comfort them. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. And we're going to sing in just a moment. I'm going to go ahead and have you stand up. I haven't done this in over a year. I'm going to be here at the front. Our, our altar is always open if you want to come and just pray, maybe to pray for a child or just to come and pray and thank God for his blessings. The altar is open. You can come and pray. If you need somebody to pray with you, somebody to talk to you, uh, if you need to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I'm here at the front. Uh, you can come and respond as we sing. Sing with us. My faith looks up to thee, thou Lamb of Calvary, Savior divine. Thou hear me while I pray, take all my guilt away. Oh, let me from this day.
if you'll remain standing for a moment, David has an announcement he's going to make about uh, our Bible study that happens usually on Sunday nights and what the what that's going to look like for the summer. So if you'll stand for just a moment. Uh, Sunday night Bible study, we enjoy the fellowship so much that we decided we'd move our Bible study to a few Saturday nights. So we're going to be tailgating outside. The first one will be this upcoming Saturday, hamburgers, hot dogs. If you're not a normal Sunday night attendee, come on anyway. We're going to have fun, fellowship, and we're going to continue in our study of Christ's first advent in the Old Testament. We will be beginning Isaiah this upcoming week. So if that's something that interests you, come on. And then in the fall, we're going to pick up hard and heavy in Daniel. So, be at 5 o'clock. Awesome. So I want to encourage you to, to take part of that. So that'll be on some Saturday nights throughout the summer. Don't forget about our Sunday night schedule. Uh, that's available if you want to pick up some of those copies it's been a great day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Let me say again, happy Mother's Day to each of you. Uh, no services tonight. We pray you'll have a great day. If you have the opportunity, spend some time with your mama. Uh, if not, call her, text her. Um, and if you can't do that, then just spend the day thankful for the mom that God had blessed you with. Trip, if you'll come, close us with a word of prayer. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we just thank you so much for... The, the mothers you've given us and thank you for the love that they've shared with us and ultimately thank you for, for your son and and the love that he's given us enough to die on the cross and save us from our sins through that all the things that the glory be to god in jesus name amen